Welcome to The Real Journey Show. On this podcast, you can expect guests of all backgrounds and professions to share a real journey they have experienced in this thing called life. From origin to current, the rocky ups and downs in the middle, and what is yet to come. The journeys of each guest will vary, but there is one thing that will remain constant. The listeners will be reminded that life experiences have a compelling way of connecting us, inspiring us, and empowering us to stay real. I am Tara Martin, your host of The Real Journey Show. Hey friends, welcome back to The Real Journey Show. We are thrilled that you decided to join in today. We have a very special guest and I am actually up at 5 a.m. in the morning to meet with this guest because it's the future where he lives. And so super excited to have him on the show. I actually met him through Twitter, always seeing him after big runs, like get on camera and motivate people. I can't even talk after I run. So I think that alone is pretty inspiring. <laughs> and then the message too, but we do have the Run Rant teacher on the show today, Mark Ryan. He is just a jack of all trades. I think he could do all kinds of things. I know he teaches art and music, and I'm just excited to learn more about his story. So Mark, if you would, please formally introduce yourself. Tell us a little more about what you do, where you're at, and yeah, do share. All right. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, thanks for everyone who's tuning in to listen. And as you heard, I do often jump onto Twitter and give kind of a rant after a run. I don't know if actually any of them are motivating um, because usually I'm coming from a place of ranting. Um, but I do love going out for exercise and thinking of how my day or how a topic is unfolding and seeing how that changes after uh, physical fitness. And I do think that most of the time I do come to a new perspective at the end of physical fitness and I'll, and I'll share things yeah, on social media platforms. But my name is Mark Ryan. I'm a Canadian educator. I'm living in the United Arab Emirates, Abu Dhabi right now. And I am, uh, I would say an arts specialist leader. So I'm in charge of the music and art team at Raha International School from early years up to grade five. I don't teach music, but uh, I am in charge of you know, the music program teachers guiding them towards inquiry based learning through the IB curriculum. Um, but they know all the stuff and I know none of it. So I'm just kind of pushing towards that conceptual understanding and kind of the big questions that they're asking their students and what the why is in their classrooms and all that kind of good stuff. But yeah, so I'm an educator. I started my education journey when I was 17 working at the Boys and Girls Club in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. So I worked there for a long time with underprivileged youth. And then I was doing my arts degree. I wanted to be a fine arts painter, large scale acrylic painter, tried to get into my master's program. They said, you need a little bit more time, went to teacher's college, and then it all went from there. So that's it. That's kind of the who I am in a nutshell without any real information. I love it. I love it. I think uh, you and I can relate a little bit in the area of helping or leading music, <laughs> music educators. So as a curriculum direct, uh, director of education, um, I spent some time leading music educators. That was part of my role. 
I know much the same way, but I think isn't, I think that's kind of the beautiful thing about being a leader, because honestly, if you're just a great questioner or great at questioning, <laughs> maybe that's a better way to say that, great at asking great questions, um, you know, they pretty much come to their conclusion of what they need to do, how they need to move students forward. And we know what great education looks like, so it doesn't really matter the curriculum. Like if you know it, then yeah, it's super helpful. But if you don't, you can still lead in that area. So I love that. Um, yeah. So Mark, the real journey show is all about just sharing a real journey for our listeners. I know that, you know, real is an acronym and the R is relatable. E is exposing a little vulnerability, A approachable and L learning through life. And I feel like no matter what journey you would share, it's going to fit that acronym because honestly, that is being real, just being completely authentically you. And I would love to hear a little bit about your journeys. Maybe your journey, it could be any journey, personally or professionally, um, just sharing a journey that has kind of shaped you into the person, the human, the awesome person you are today. All right. Um, yeah, I have, uh, I have a few for sure. And I think most of them come from, well, the idea of taking risks and being a risk taker. And I would shout out to my teaching partner at Raha International School, Lise Farquhar, because we were chatting when I was doing um, a, a presentation at one of these teacher conferences about the importance of reminiscing. And I kind of thought about all the things that I reminisce about. And there was always a few highlighted moments that I constantly went back to that I thought, why are they so important? Why do I constantly think about them? And how have they shaped me? So to answer your question, the biggest one that kind of I can think of that started my journey was in 2006, I left Canada to go teach abroad in Hong Kong. And I went there to be an early childhood educator. I was teaching children three to four years old. Uh, wasn't really my scene necessarily. I didn't, didn't have a huge passion. It wasn't that's what I was going to do for the rest of my life. Like you often find with early childhood educators where they say, you know, I knew this since I was 12 or something. I, I've been on Pinterest since I was nine. I don't know. But yeah, so I moved to Hong Kong and then something happened. I got into a relationship in Hong Kong with one of the most famous singers in in the entire city and her family well known throughout China, one of the biggest entertainment families in Asia. And instantly my life became a spotlight in Hong Kong. I was part of this spotlight um, on magazines, on the news, on all of these things. And a different world opened up to me and it was really, really exciting, really, um, yeah, it was a, a new adventure began and you know what doors started opening. And I remember the one time I was in uh, this area of Hong Kong called Lang Kwai Fung. And if anyone's been to Hong Kong, they know that's an area where people go out as nightlife. It's, it goes into, during the daytime, but it comes alive at night for sure. And I was painting a, a large mural on the wall on the side of this restaurant bar area. And a gentleman walked by and he saw my name plastered on the side and he thought, maybe I'm making connections. Maybe that's the Mark Ryan who's connected to that singer. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna check it out. So. He called the singer and turned out it was and got my contact and we met for lunch a few days later and he asked me what could you do on a tv stage on a tv set what could you do and i thought well i don't know i'm coming from this education background maybe i could 
help your artists, your actors with their lines. Maybe I could help them go over their English lines if they have anything to put in. And so um, he paused, he said, no, I don't think so. I think what we need to do is we need to put you on television. I think you need to be on a kid's show. Yeah, I see it, Canadian educator. Yeah, 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 we'll do that. And this is coming from someone who's never seen me act. You know, I, I hadn't really acted before, I, unless he was in my high school uh, in the audience of a high school play that I did where I had like two lines. Um, so he, there was nothing to go off of other than the fact that he believed in people and believed that people were able to um, kind of, I, would, I don't want to say do anything, but if they're willing to take the risk and to step into something, they'll probably be able to succeed. And I'm not actually sure if that's true or not, but he did take that chance with me. And so, yeah, during that little lunch, he picked up the phone and he was talking to the head of the children's production. And two months later, I had left the classroom and I was about to star in my own TV show that lasted for four and a half years in Hong Kong. Um, and that was mind blowing. It changed everything for me. Suddenly, you know, you're, you're speaking to a million kids a day and you're just like, uh, I don't know, your classroom is just so much bigger. And so I was writing the show, I was starring in the show and yeah, it was an amazing experience. So that kind of opened up and shaped who I am as an educator now. So, you know, when I go out for a run and at the end of a run, if I need to turn my phone on and talk for a minute straight, I can do it without really much thought because I was so used to just kind of sitting down and talking in front of a camera for years. So um, yeah, that was kind of a journey that shaped uh, who I am now as an educator. I'm always telling stories in the classroom. I always try to engage my students by almost being a little bit of the entertainer in front of them or um, yeah, letting them know that, you know, when you're 16, 17, whatever, you might not exactly know where you want to go or where you are going to go. But if you're willing to step forward and take a risk, like get on an airplane, go to Hong Kong, or, you know, meet someone for a coffee that maybe you don't know where that's going to go, that, yeah, that's just life. So be willing to take chances, be willing to meet new people and be willing to say yes. And uh, all three of those things I definitely did. And those things shaped my life forever, for sure. My gosh, I have so many questions. So <laughs> that's the coolest story. It's definitely a story we've never heard on The Real Journey Show, for sure. So yeah. I'm interested to know a little bit more about kind of the, the acting scene, because I've never experienced that. So I think it'd be interesting. And maybe our listeners are interested. They're just interested in whatever I'm interested in. <laughs> so you're painting this mural. This guy comes up to you and says, oh my goodness, I think that's the Mark Ryan that's dating the singer. And he puts like, just kind of strips you out of the classroom and puts you into this acting role. Like what were some of the major challenges that you had to overcome that you had to deal with? Like once you, so I always talk about cannonballing in, trying new things. I'm all about that. But, you know, sometimes we make this huge splash and then we go way deep down into the deep end and then we have to swim up. So I'm curious, like what were some of those challenges you were thinking about once you got way in the deep end of this new adventure? Yeah, I think it's um, lucky for me, uh, or the way that I process things or deal with life in general is I don't normally overthink almost anything. And showing up to this TV studio on the first day to shoot, 
Um, I had no idea what it was going to look like. I knew what the episode was because I wrote it. So they had asked me to create four episodes. Um, They're all about greetings and uh, informal kind of English language, just conversation kind of stuff. And the episode was only about five minutes long. So I knew what we were going to film. I knew the lines because I wrote them. Um, so when I showed up, I think the biggest thing that I had to realize on the spot was suddenly so many more people were invested in this thing that I was invested in now before in the classroom, you know, it's me and the students, right? And if anything's going wrong, you know, you make adjustments and, you know, there's no one really calling you out. If you, if you don't get it right, you don't have to lay out your lesson plan so perfectly and have it go perfect. You can, you know, oh, we'll, we'll save this last part for next lesson. It didn't really work, or we don't have enough time or however teachers, you know, balance their days. That's constantly happening. I know that um, happens all the time, but when you show up to a TV set, you have 15 people, you have a schedule, there's shows that happen right after you, that if you don't film your stuff in a certain amount of time, you're throwing everybody off. So you, so when I showed up, um, it was a proper huge set, three giant cameras, you know, a stage director, a guy up in the box, someone with lighting, someone doing makeup, someone going over my lines, kid actors, their parents, and I realized I was stepping into something that maybe I should start taking a little bit more seriously because I really didn't stress too much. Um, but I want to say, did I take it more seriously? I don't know if I did, but I did start to realize how important it was to be prepared. And I was prepared for that first one because I was a little bit nervous. So I did know the lines and I wrote it. But as these shows went on, I kind of constantly kept that in the back of my mind that, it wasn't just me. And I think that kind of relates to, to schools in general. You know, when I'm teaching in the classroom now or working with my team, you know, it's constantly uh, important that you reflect on how your actions and what you're doing in school, how that kind of the ripple effect that can happen. So to know that you're not just alone um, in that kind of setting. Now, I don't feel that same kind of pressure, of course, when you're in your classroom, you are kind of in control and there's not 15 other people watching you, staring at you other than the kids. So I guess it was, I guess there technically is, and probably more. They're um, not millions. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, I, I guess it's just that, you know, that very fixed thing, you know, TV is a very fixed thing. There's a script, there's a way that you're doing it. There's lighting. You can't kind of roll with it like you can in the classroom. So to just be a little bit more prepared is probably what it allowed me to do. Um, but yeah, it was, yeah, it was a wonderful experience. And actually it wasn't, I guess it was probably the easiest of acting that you could do. You know, it's kids acting, it's for kids television, it's over the top. You know, you can, you can be awkward, you can do the exaggerated voices, you can do the shocked, like, oh, the bad acting, because that's what actually kids are looking for. They're not sitting at home like, oh, this guy has no acting experience. <laughs> um, so I think my audience was probably a little bit generous with me as well. That's cool. But I love so much about that. And I also think, I also think it's, it's kind of like, well, in 2020, all of us were having to do like virtual learning and you like, You've been doing that for a long time. <laughs> That's really nothing for you. But I'm curious, you know, as we have experienced virtual learning, we've noticed that it's kind of a little bit difficult. Yeah, you were speaking to a larger crowd. And 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 really, actually, this would work for you too, because it's so scripted, very prescribed. 
Do you feel like uh, now that you're back in the classroom or around kids, do you feel like you missed that connection that you can have more face-to-face when you were acting? No, I think like it was different, right? So when, when I was on uh, television, you know, you would, you would create programs that you wanted to create. You would hope that the language you were putting onto the show was actually helping students in Hong Kong who English might've been their second, third language. You know, you, you know, I, I'd get on the subway and kids that I didn't know would, hey, Mr. Mark, and I, you know, like you were making relationships just at such a grand scale that it was um, quite an exciting job to be part of. Um, when it came to online learning, I did find that all of those skills did make it a lot easier for me. So I was could create art videos, voiceover to the videos, plan, you know, plan a five minute video really, really quick because I was used to doing that all the time, writing shows, kind of figuring out where is this going to go and how can I get to it really fast? And I can't make mistakes because um, in, in the show, in show business in Hong Kong, there's this uh, a phrase called NG. All right. And that means there's a Chinese way to go with it, but in English, it's kind of like no good. And if you, if you get an NG, you, they will know who on set did that. And you don't want it to be you, but if it was you, it's all right. Everyone does them randomly from time to time. But if you get like three, then people will actually start getting pretty annoyed that either you're not in the right spot, you missed your cue, you're not remembering your lines um, because everything has a ripple effect for, for everything else. So I think it made me really good at that. I was very aware that I need to get through this and I actually had an experience just last week. I was creating an online activity for this hybrid learning that we're doing now. And I wanted to, it to go out at a certain time and I needed to create a voiceover for a video I made and I was running out of time. I had about two minutes left. I ran into the library, into our kind of studio section. There was a teacher there making a coffee or something. I forget what he was doing. And he's like, should I leave? Should I go? I said, just sit down and just don't say anything for like a minute and a half. And I just picked up my phone, had the video there and just right through, right through the video. And I'm not trying to say that I'm, you know, you need to be super amazing at these things, but when you can, then yeah, you can just, those things, you can just roll them off where maybe some teachers, you know, over this time would be stressing about how to do all those pieces and what do I say? And I didn't sound, sound right. I didn't say that right. Um, But the thing that kind of online learning and all all those kinds of things um, struggle with that I'm happy to be back in the classroom face to face as an art teacher is about process. You know, I need to see kids making art. I need to, I need to hear the questions in real time. I need to see them look at someone else and watch how someone's handling materials and say, Oh, I want to try that and do that on my artwork. And okay. And then they start rolling with that. You can make the best art video you want, but they can only go so far if they're watching your video and sitting at home and, you know, unless they have their awesome parents, they're bouncing ideas back and forth and being that person through the process. So that's what I love about being back in school um, is that I can, I can be, see those things happening in real time and I can guide them towards, it looks like their journey is heading. Um, yeah. So, you know, not to say that the uh, online students are, are suffering, but, yeah, making creative videos and that kind of stuff. Television led to that, but being in the classroom is amazing so that you can actually be part of that process journey. 
Yeah, I would agree. I think I think it's kind of like job security too for educators, you know, especially when we just came through or some of us are still, I know over here, we're still hybrid. So like part online, part face-to-face. And, um, you know, a lot of educators are questioning, like, is this the way it's always going to be? Like, even if we could go back to normal, is it going to always be this way? And I think you just kind of clarified that, like, there's no way, there's no way to really experience the process, as you said, the process of learning, because there's so many ups and downs throughout the process. And we don't get to see all of that when we're on the camera. And especially, you know, like thinking about you on a set, I mean, you didn't get to see what was happening inside those homes at all. You know, you really just got to see yourself. But I I do think, you know, like you said, people always knowing who you were, you're probably on billboards. (laughs) Like, you know, you're probably like some famous person to kids and to their parents too. I mean, I know Caleb has watched a thousand TV shows for kids and we would keep them on replay all the time. He loved it. So I'm curious, one more question before we move into another area, but the fast fame, you know, I hear of people just getting this fast fame and all of a sudden just a, a great connection, right? Happens. And boom, they just went from one world to another world. What was that like? It was kind of interesting because my situation was happening in kind of a bubble, right? Like Hong Kong is kind of a bubble. They have Cantonese. bubble. Yeah. Well, (laughs) well, a lot of people in the bubble, but it's still not, it's still not that big. Um, So they have um, their own language, you know, they have Cantonese. So they're not speaking Mandarin like the rest of mainland China. Um, there's other places that also speak Cantonese, but they have that. So then they have their own music business. They have these two major TV studios. Um, and so like, yeah, in like six tabloids a week when I was living there. So they, they're all engrossed in this, in their own thing, which was amazing. And so, yeah, during my time there, yeah, you could see my face on a bus traveling around the city or walking around at night time if I went in somewhere people could recognize me as kind of that guy that is on the kids show it wasn't really to most people um Mark Ryan it was either Mr. Mark or that guy who's dating that person or that guy who is whatever mostly that guy who's dating that person for for local Chinese people um but when I went back to Canada that was no one knew right I was you know like there was no connection to that so it was really I think it was like an easy in to having this taste of what it is like to, for people to for for people to know you when you don't know them. You know, so I remember when that relationship ended and I was at a uh, a restaurant having dinner with someone and someone came over and told me about why my relationship had ended and oh that it was unfortunate and I thought none of those things are actually what I, what happened but they had had their own interpretation of it from things that they had read in magazines and things. So, you know, I was able to think, wow, like this whole thing is so crazy. But in the end, you know, when I, when I left it, it stayed, it didn't come with me, you know, like I didn't, I'm not walking around uh, the UAE, the United Arab Emirates and people are like, I think it's that guy from Hong Kong who was on that kid's television. No, it's like, it's over. Um, so I think that was kind of the, 
The nice thing, I think the other thing that made it quite easy was I was always the guy that you could, you knew, but you didn't really care. You know, I think that was nice. You know, like people could recognize you and like a kid on the bus would be really excited to see you. But I'm sure if you saw, like you were saying, your son was watching kids shows and whatever. If you saw that person, you I don't know how much you are invested in them, right? He, he might be super excited and want to take a photo or something, but you're not overly invested to go and watch what they're doing or to follow them around or those things that, you know, there's different levels of, uh, of fame. And I think, you know, I've talked to my students before about it when it comes to, you know, whether you are famous or not. And, you know, there's, there's different degrees, right? Because you can be famous, but how much do people want to know about everything you're doing and how much does everybody want a piece of what you're doing? And I had just a very small portion of that because I was just the boyfriend of someone who was famous. And then I was just kind of kids star. So I was able to, I don't know, I, I felt that I, I lived a, a pretty easy go of having a taste of the limelight, my 15 minutes. That's, that's pretty awesome though. And I'm curious too, like, um, would you do it again? Was that something that you enjoyed? So if they were to ask you, say where you're at right now, uh, the UAE to star on a kid's show, do you think you would do it again? Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I wouldn't have stopped because that like that. So in 2014, when my show ended, they rebranded the kids station. They made a bunch of new kids shows. So everything that was on there just kind of stopped. And I wasn't in a position where I could just wait for the next acting job because I wasn't an actor, you know? So I was like, Oh, so this thing's done. Okay. Well then this thing's done. You know, <laughs> we'll, we'll go back into the classroom. I'll go back into what I was doing before. Um, but being on television, that is an amazing job. Like anyone who has been on some kind of kids program where you're creating material, you're going in on a Saturday, filming a bunch of episodes, you have so much more free time to go and then just do whatever you want. And also people are so much more willing, the doors are so much more open, mm -hmm. you know, like suddenly you can be on, you know, the radio station or you can be on the, the newspaper will talk to you or this and that everyone will talk to you because you, they, they have a common understanding of who you are where I think, you know, um, that's why these platforms that you're creating are so great because you can amplify the voice of teachers, right? And teachers can come on and they can share their stories and then other people can hear them and say, hey, I want to work with that person or I want to do something along the lines of whatever they were saying. So you're able to kind of open a door for them for other people to connect. So I think that's what, that's what being on television did, but uh, that's what these kind of platforms do for people as well. So that's great. Love it. I love it. I love it. That's so fun. Such a cool story too. I love, I just love all the different lessons you learned from it and how you've taken it and, and you use it and even share it with your kids now. And also the idea of a bubble, I really hadn't thought about that, but how you could actually walk away. And so you don't have to like, like you have that cool experience. It was almost like this adventure like a vacation, <laughs> you know, it's like this adventure. And then you're like, okay, now I'm going to come over here and live this life. So I'm curious to know a little bit more about you, like your family life. What was your upbringing? Like, um, was a teacher or an educator or in this world of education, something that you always dreamt of, or, you know, how did that come about? Yeah. So I say I'm from Canada, a Canadian educator. I'm 
really from a military base, if that's really how I had to think back. So my father was in the Canadian Armed Forces and we traveled along, I lived in the States for a little while, then we lived in bases in Ontario and Canada and moved around and then ended up in the nation's capital. of. And so I spent, you know, four years here, three years here, five years here. Um, so I jumped around, which I think helped with me building my confidence for speaking with people or at least reading a room and kind of seeing, okay, what's this room all about? And what, what's different about this town compared to this town? And I had to, or this playground compared to this playground. And I had to do that from a very young age. Um, but yeah, so a Canadian kid, I was a swimmer growing up. I swam until I was 13. Um, I often tell my, my students, I, I try to open up with this, with a story that can teach them some kind of lesson if possible. And I always tell them, you know, when I, when I was 13 and this, you know, I'll, I'll go into answering your question later about, did I know? Keep about doing, being you're doing it. fantastic. Um, and I, I remember when I was 13, I was at the Canadian nationals for, for swimming. It was a 1500 meter swimmer. So 62 lengths of a swimming pool for talking short course. And the entire time, that's what I swam for my team. And there was guys who swam other things, right? There was sprinters, there was relay people, everyone had their thing. And I get up there, um, I don't know, heat number three or whatever it is, let's make it up. And beside me, another one of my teammates shows up, a guy named Adam Seawee. And I look at Adam Seawee and he's, you know, I'm 13, I'm probably like five foot two at this time. And he's now six foot three, I think he was at like 13 years old. And I was like, what is he doing here? He's like the hundred meter guy. What's he in my race for? He, we get up, we go in, he laps me. He finishes it in like, I don't know, 17 minutes, something. Um, I can get a new PB 18, whatever. It doesn't matter when I get out. It's I'm now crushed by the fact that this guy did an event that wasn't even his. And, you know, he's just kind of like, eh, I needed something to do. So they asked me to do this. So there you go. And it was really soul destroying for me as a swimmer. And I think, and I went into the stands and I told my mom I'm quitting and that was the end of it. And I never, I never competed again right after that moment. And later on, Adam C. We went to break the Canadian record when he was a senior, went to travel and swim for the University of Florida and break tons of NCAA records, competed for Canada at the Olympics. And I tell my students, you know, like sometimes Sometimes it's good to compare yourself with others. Sometimes it's good to kind of measure yourself up, but that's not how you need to measure yourself up to determine whether you're successful. And I show them that story of how harsh I put on myself about this and how I let it get to me and actually how I let it drive my, my path. And I actually let it take me out of something that I really loved and enjoyed doing because I said, I don't measure up to this guy. And you know, sometimes you're gonna get the Adam Seawees right? And you might not measure up. That's just how it is. But it, do you have to? And so I kind of asked that to my students, you know, when we're going on to these art journeys, when you're creating something, and someone makes this, and you make that, is it really important that they are the same thing? And usually the students can come up with some really interesting answers to that question. I'll, I'll have to um, have to write them down and and put it in a tweet for you and, and, and see exactly the words that come out of their mouth again. But so that was my journey as a swimmer. I went in to become a runner uh, later on and I used that lung capacity from 1500 meters swimming to be quite a successful runner. Um, 
ran semi-professionally in Hong Kong for Adidas and for Nike for a short period of time, also connected to the fact that I was on television. So that was also a way to work with such big companies. So that was an amazing part of my athletic journey. Um, yeah, but education, no. I, I I tell my students again, you know, when they ask me, hey, did you always know you're going to be an artist or do you always know you're going to be an art teacher? I was like, I didn't even really like art that much. Like when I was in like primary school, I don't remember having an art teacher for real. And high school, I had an art teacher, but like he was just like that really, it was like a guy that I think he could teach like science or PE also, just like one of those random guys that was in the school. And he's like, now I'm the art teacher and <laughs> draw something. I don't know. Like it was a non-motivating kind of deal. And I was watching the news once with my parents and this guy came on and uh, his name was Bat Boy and he just legally changed his name from whatever to Bat Boy. And I was like, what is this? And he's like, because I'm an artist. And I was like, okay, because you're an artist. And then I'm going to paint this mural of this giant goldfish bowl outside of Starbucks. Why? Because I'm an artist. And I was like, man, okay, okay. this is kind of, I kind of liked the idea of he was just shaping who he was and he was just expressing his ideas under this banner of being an artist. And at the end, it said, you know, he, he taught these kind of art lessons or whatever. I instantly called, signed up, built a portfolio, went to art school six months later. Um, loved it. Had an amazing time in art school. I was still working at the Boys and Girls Club, so I was connected with youth. I had a good relationship with trying to motivate, inspire, lead, this kind of stuff. So it wasn't foreign to me, the idea of being in front of a group of kids and doing an activity and trying to figure something out. And so, yeah, after teacher's college, uh, after, sorry, after visual arts, I tried to get into a master's, like I kind of said at the beginning, um, or maybe it was in our chat before we jumped on, I'm not sure. But yeah, I tried to get into a master's program and they said, why don't you kind of work as an artist for a few years? And the idea of just being a starving artist or struggling or trying to create something, I needed more school. I needed more collaboration. I needed more guidance and leadership. So I went into teacher's college and there was an artist in the community education, which is an amazing program linked with Queen's University in Canada. So you do your education degree, but you do it with artists. So you're a little bit separate from the normal, the rest of the teachers. So you go through that journey with people who are in drama, who are in writing, who are in uh, visual arts um, or Aboriginal studies. And you do this, you do the same thing everyone's doing, but with a bunch of like-minded individuals. So it was just so fun. You know, we would get into classes and people's lesson plans were about connecting the Aboriginal community from their home and bringing that in and then working with artists and then doing a play. And then someone would just, you know, teach us a yoga class or someone would do a, a live kind of um, poetry night. So they would, our class would actually be at seven o'clock at like this coffee shop. And it was like a really amazing experience. So that made me more excited about teaching the arts and that you could kind of provide a different arts experience for students, just like you can provide a different education experience for people learning to be teachers. And um, yeah, so that's how my journey happened. But it was, again, when I tell, tell students, it's like, none of those things, I, I couldn't have planned that out. Like my, my roadmap is not linear. It's not a straight line. It probably won't be for you either. But as long as you're willing to take risks and to look for opportunities and say yes, when they're right for you, then um, you'll probably have a good time. 
I love it. Gosh, I ha- so taking it back to, I, I'm wondering, being a being in the military, having your family in the military, moving a lot, if that helped you with the taking risk piece. I feel like, you know, you're constantly, maybe that doesn't work for all kids that are in the military, but I love that, <laughs> that you like that this artist was like, hey, I'm doing this because I'm an artist. You kind of had this like rebellious, um, innovative character, which I like. <laughs> That's, I mean, I think there's a good re- re- rebellious character, right? Um, I think that's what innovators are. We're going against the green. We're not doing exactly what everybody is prescribing out there for us to do. And I'm wondering if the military backgrounds kind of gave you, do you think that kind of helped shape your character to be able to handle, you know, change and taking risk and moving and meeting new people and connecting? Yeah, I, I think, I think what being around people in the military helped me with was, maybe understanding who is in charge. <laughs> like um, in the military, it's very clear who people are taking orders from and who is in charge of the next person. Um, and so I had a very strong awareness on when I would show up to a school, who was running that playground. And I'm not saying running like in a bully kind of sense, but you know, okay, we have this group doing this and we have these people doing that. I was able to kind of easily kind of suss out that. And so I think that helped because I think in all areas, especially when you when you move and become an international teacher and you show up to a school, you have to find, all right, who is the tech person? Like, I know there might be someone with that title, but that might actually not be the person that you need to go to. Right. That, you know, like, who do I go to if I'm actually struggling to find information that's going to help me through HR that, you know, I'm having problems setting stuff up with my family or my lights or whatever. If you can kind of read the school you can suss out what's going on who are the players and what's going on in that sense that really helped for me as a international educator and i don't think that's always the case um but but things do kind of present themselves a little bit like that and when seeing kind of a person like bat boy kind of going against the grain especially against a military grain i guess if you looked at like that um i think yeah, that might have been kind of interesting. I, I I never kind of looked at it from the angle of like that I was half the part of my mind would have been a more regimented kind of military style. But I think I kind of leaned towards just um, my parents for that, for making me successful in the sense that, you know, I wasn't into art. I didn't own any art materials. I didn't sit and draw. I wasn't that kid drawing and doodling all the time. And suddenly at 17, almost 18 years old, saying, I want to go take some art classes with that guy and make a portfolio. And I think I'm going to go to art school. And they're like, all right, let's do it. You know, like that's the key of that puzzle right there. And I think that's something that's apparent now that I'm trying my best to listen to is those moments where, you know, you say it. Okay, all those things that you're talking about right right now don't make sense. They don't line up with what what you've been doing. It's not really the line that I saw us going here, Um, but let's do it. Let's try it. uh, Yeah, and that was a huge commitment because my parents still had to help to organize for me to get down there and organize. Yeah, I wasn't, I didn't have my own car and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, they were still, they were a huge part of the process. And then yeah, six months later, 
driving to Toronto for art interviews at um, different different universities and then down here in Ottawa. But there you go. So yeah, a shout out to my parents on that one. Great parents. I think all of us would do well though, even as educators, even if you're not a parent, but you're you're teaching, it's the same kind of principle for anyone leading any humans, honestly, is to keep an open mind and follow their passions because it changes. And I think it's important. And we change like as we grow, as we get older, our interests change. Our what what once was exciting is maybe not exciting anymore. And what is now, we need to kind of follow that path and just keep tapping into those passions because truly that's where we thrive. I mean, that's where you're thriving um, because you love it. You're excited about it. But I love to how you've taken some of these past experiences and you use them right there in your classroom, such as the one with the swimmer and how you ended up giving up on something that you love so much because of comparing it with greatness. And I think that's really important for us as humans to be careful not to measure ourselves up to others. You know, one of the things we're always talking about in, um, or I'm always talking about when I'm encouraging people with fitness is to, to set your own PRs, right? To compete with yourself, because truly that's how you really get better. I mean, if you're always competing with me or you're always competing with someone else who's doing better than you, then, um, then, you could always feel like a failure, right? You didn't go on to do that many more times. You just did the one. You're like, forget it. He's too good. But he was so good. And that didn't mean that you weren't great too, because, you know, I think a lot of times we we set these bars, right? So we decide, okay, this is the bar. Well, that bar could be really, really high. So like in CrossFit world, Matt Frazier, no one touches Matt Frazier. No one will touch him. He's like, the best of the best. Um, well, now he's retired, but he just decided to retire this year. So maybe people will be able to win now. But honestly, those ones, those boys, those guys that were coming in right behind him, they were still super duper amazing. And had they just like given up, that would be silly. He's just out there, the greatest. So I yeah. love that you're able to take the story like that and put it right into the hands of the littles that are creating art because- I don't know, my art would be really bad, but <laughs> if we were creating art, I would want to be able to compare it with something and maybe it is great. Maybe it isn't the best of the best, but it could still be really amazing and still really inspire someone somewhere. Yeah, I think it's important. I think it's important to to compare. Like you can look and you can see where you measure up, um, but that can't be, that can't be the, the point of what you're kind of basing your success because you know what other people are doing in the end um it's not it's not in your control right like you show up and someone has an amazing day and they live way beyond their perceived potential or whatever and if you say like well okay well you did that so therefore i'm out or there you did that so therefore mine's not good um it's a dangerous uh, it's a slippery slope and you know I, I pose that question to the students because, you know, they will they will encounter that, you know, and maybe one of them will remember Adam Siwi. And I always at the end or a couple of lessons later play the Canadian um, relay team in Beijing and Adam Siwi's on the relay. And 
they hear his name as he gets called out to go behind the blocks. And they're all like, hey, Mr. Mark, that's the guy. And I'm like, I know that's the guy, right? Oh, man, that guy. So, you know, like it becomes real and they see it. And it's like this experience that I allow them to be part of. And I think, you know, some of them, you know, probably dislike Adam Siwi a little bit by the end of that time. So I appreciate that as well. No, no offense, Adam. Just kidding. <laughs> No, I love that. But I also love that you talk about how, um, sure, you didn't continue to swim, but you picked up another passion running, which is what we know you as, what I introduced you as. I know you as the run rant uh, teacher. And so I love that you were able to channel that energy in another place that's productive and then later actually run for big companies and be sponsored by them and um, encourage other students and people out there, honestly, teachers, educators, all of us who listen to take risks, to be that. And sure, yeah, maybe you're ranting on most of those videos, but it kind of goes back to your um, outside the box personality, which I personally love and I think is very appreciated and also needed in this world. I think we need more people who will step outside of the box who will not conform to, yeah, this is what I do. And this is uh, like, I'm just going to do the same exact thing every single day. And I'm headed down this straight little narrow path and I'm not going to deviate from it. I, I love that your journey is so wiggly and swiggly and all over the place, because I think that's what life should be like. And it really, that's what life is. But for some reason in our head, we get it we get fixed and we're like, okay, it's got to be like this and we got to do this. And then if we do this and this and this, then we're going to be successful. And the truth is success never looks like that. I mean, I know everybody's probably seen that meme out there where there's like the straight line and then there's like the whole swiggly line to success. And I feel like your story, your journey is very swiggly and I like it. So you went from Hong Kong dating a national, I mean, an international, a famous a famous singer, becoming an actor, learning how to take risk. First of all, taking a risk to go to Hong Kong. Like you've been a risk taker since day one, I think. Um, and then moving into this idea of fast fame, but it's all kind of like in this one area. So when you went home, you were able to like be Mark Ryan, the one that everybody knew growing up again. And then also taking a lot of these experiences and bringing them right into the classroom and being able to share not only those experiences of acting and um, that whole journey of moving away, all of that, meeting new friends. I mean, there's so many connections you can make with students with just the experience of moving to Hong Kong, but then also experiencing all of this new territory stuff that you hadn't planned on in life, but it just kind of showed up. You made a great connection and it led you to arts and all of this wonderful um, creative, your creative mind, your creative character and being able to share too, like some of these risks that you took as a kid and also your experiences of failure as a kid with your students, your art students. I don't know. I just, I love your journey. I think it's so fun. I think it's interesting, like from boys and girls club to famous actor to, art and music curriculum person um, that gets to work with kids now. So it's 
pretty amazing, Mark. You're a fun guy. To running and ranting. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, but thank you again. It was a pleasure to be on here and to share share my journey. And you know, I really hope that this does lead others to you know jump on to a podcast at their school or. Um, an opportunity to share what they're doing as well with others. And, you know, if they, if they are not already talking to their students about what they have lived through in a way that is shaping a question, in a, in a way that's going to like empower the students to say, okay, yeah, how, how would I answer that? And how can I apply that later in my life? Um, I would really encourage them to now. And it might seem weird at the beginning. It might seem like you're bragging a little bit. You know, and because some of the stories, you know, there'll be students who go, why'd you bring that one up? You know, and it's like, well, just wait, you know. Um, but even if you are bragging a little bit, that's okay too. Your life is um, is interesting, it's powerful. And we talked about that in kind of the green room before we started this. So if, yeah, if people can take away that, that would be really, really amazing. So that's something that I'm hoping to push people towards doing more this year is share their journey with their students and developing those kind of big questions. That's what it's all about. It's all, I mean, that's why we have this show because I think everyone is inspired by other people's journey. It's always interesting to hear like what they've gone through, what they've experienced, how they take that and use it in their everyday life now. And so I think that you just have this like this cool journey and um, there's so many little pieces. We could go on for two more hours about every little piece if we asked a bunch of questions. But um, thank you so much for sharing so much of your journey with us. I really feel like our listeners will be inspired. I feel like it fits the real acronym beautifully. And I would love for you to share how people can connect with you. So say they don't connect with you already. How can they, where can they find you? And um, I personally have been loving your TikTok. So don't forget to share that one too. And yeah. Share with us, how can we connect with Mr. Mark Ryan? Yeah, so you can you can find me on Twitter, of course, at um, Run and Rants or at Run Educator. So I have two kind of Twitter handles, one more focused towards the running rant side and one um, Run Educator that I can post more kind of random kind of content that kind of just interests me and is maybe not so much focused towards running and fitness and that kind of stuff. You can also find me on Clubhouse. I am on there as Run and Rant. It's a new platform that I've been using. Quite nice to hear other people's uh, take on education topics. I'm mostly just listening. I haven't really contributed much speaking on that platform yet. And yeah, on TikTok, I'm basically there just so I can say to my students, I know what's going on. Don't try to do anything that I don't know. I know that dance. I know that weird song. I know it all. And I also have more followers than you. No, but um, yeah, so I, I try to stay current to see exactly what people are doing. But basically, yeah, find me on Twitter, Run Educator or, or Run and Rant. That's where I'm at mostly. And I'm also on these other things. So yeah, type in Run and Rant. And then if you're on YouTube, you can watch my first episode of Mark Up Your English way back in the day on TV and see exactly what we were talking about. So oh, Mark, jump, jump. Throw that into the search engine. See uh, a few episodes were, op were, were uploaded right when I started that show. So um, enjoy taking a look at that. Perfect. Oh, I'll put that in the show notes too. Awesome. Well, thanks, Mark, for joining us. We really appreciate it. And for all of our listeners, we'll see you back next time. See you later.